You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Good evening and welcome to episode 142 of the Boys in the Booth podcast. Cody Abrams and Melbourne with you for this one post-Thanksgiving and we're into the opening week of the 22-23 NHL regular season. We're wrapping up our division rankings with the Atlantic Division, which we love talking about. So we'll get to that, but first, how are we doing guys after Thanksgiving? Uh, it's great to get back home, Harp, kind of see all the family, spend some time with them. And then also on the Friday, we had a St. Mary football reunion and got to see a lot of the guys that we haven't seen in a long time, some of them in more than five years. So that was great. And yeah, lots of fun with family. How about you, Chad? It looks like you had everyone up to your place again. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's what we did. We had Paige's family this time around. So it was her uh, parents, her aunt and uncle, her little sister, and her niece. So we got to do that. We put on a nice dinner for them. I made a turkey and uh, some mashed potatoes and stuffing and gravy and all of that. And Paige did uh, a broccoli and cauliflower casserole, which was the star of the show, and also some mac and cheese, which was also really good. And yeah, it was it was kind of nice to to host and put the whole meal together because I feel like it tastes even better when you do it yourself. It's kind of like a an achievement, you know. It, it's it, it was nice anyway, and it was just good to see family and and spend time with them. So that was great. Um, overall, the weekend was fantastic. I do want to say just as we're recording this episode here that uh, October twenty fourth will be the very last day that we're selling merch on boysinthebooth.com. So head over there and get some stuff. I added some new uh, winter hats, some toques there. Uh, so you know, get it while you still can. Also added some jogs and some more winter stuff. So go check it out at boysinthebooth.com. Also, also, and this is the last thing, Harp, before you can jump in here uh, that I wanted to say, is that we're using a new software to to record this episode and all episodes going forward. So if there are any technical difficulties, I, I mean, not that we're foreseeing any, but if there are, just know that we're trying out something new. And the reason we're doing it is to improve the audio and video quality for uh, the podcast on uh, all platforms so there you go that's that's just disclaimer here this is the first time we're using it but so far so good like we've done some test calls and i think uh it's going to be good and it's going to be uh great for you guys listening and watching too yeah thanks again for getting it set up again uh, like you said we did a couple of tests over the weekend everything uh worked and sounded great and uh we we hope that that continues and, and hope that you enjoy the new platform and yes with our merch october 24th the cutoff christmas is going to be here before we know it as uh, time is is going by quickly so um uh any of the merch items would be a great christmas gift uh, for uh, for friends or family. All right, fellas, let's get into the Atlantic Division, our final division to talk about. As we're recording, uh, in a couple hours from now, we're going to have uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Rangers kick off the first week of the season, then Vegas and L.A. later on. So hockey is officially back, and uh, let's get into the Atlantic to wrap up our division rankings. So... In the first spot, I have the team that uh, has gone to three straight Stanley Cup Finals, and that is the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I just think that this is the exact same team minus Andre Palat and Ryan McDonough. They've got the goaltender. Um, if a guy like Nikita Kucherov can stay healthy and a guy like Steven Stamkos can have the kind of year that he did last year, um, that would be huge for this team. They've locked up Sorelli, Sergachev, and Chernak. Nick Paul got a nice contract as well, seven years at $3.15 million AAV after a nice postseason with the big club in Florida. And uh, I've got the Lightning in the top spot in this division. What do we think? Huge shout out to SeatGeek for sponsoring the podcast. SeatGeek is a ticket app that takes all the confusion out of buying tickets. SeatGeek makes it extremely simple to buy tickets to all of your favorite sporting events, including Jays and Leafs games, and you can always find a great deal. 
On SeatGeek, all tickets are scored on a scale between 0 and 10, so you know if you're getting a good or a bad deal. Green is good and red is bad. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code Boys in the Booth in all caps. So click the link in the description to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code Boys in the Booth in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Summer is here and you know what that means. Extreme sports like spike ball and road hockey have returned and so is day drinking. The problem is we're not as young as we used to be and these summer activities can be draining on our bodies. When you push your body hard or just feel run down, it's extremely important to stay hydrated. When you make hydration a priority, it helps you feel healthier on a day-to-day basis. Enter Liquid IV. Whether you're playing sports or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. One stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. The kicker? This stuff tastes good too, guys. Liquid IV has incredible hydration flavors like watermelon, strawberry, pina colada, and more, but my personal favorite is lemon lime. So get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code BOYS underscore IN underscore THE underscore BOOTH in all caps at checkout. So that's 25% off anything when you order using the promo code BOYS underscore IN underscore THE underscore BOOTH, all caps at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today at liquidiv.com. Shout out to Cocktail Bomb Shop for sponsoring the podcast. Cocktail Bomb Shop is a Canadian, woman-owned, small business, and all of their cocktail bombs are proudly handmade in Montreal. Well, what is it and how does it work? Step one, you pick your favorite flavor of cocktail bomb and unwrap it. My favorite is definitely mojito. Step two, drop your cocktail bomb into eight ounces of sparkling water and watch it fizz for five minutes. Step three, add a shot of your favorite alcohol, some ice, and enjoy it. Fellas, gents, boyfriends of the world, these cocktail bombs make the perfect gift for your lady friend because not only are they tasty, but they're Instagrammable as well. Right now, if you go to cocktailbombshop.ca and use the code BITV15, you can get 15% off your entire order. That's cocktailbombshop.ca. Use the code BITV15 at checkout for 15% off. I want to hear what you have to say about this one, Chad, because I think that well, personally, I don't have Tampa Bay first, so I'm going to start off by saying that. And uh, I'd like to hear your opinion on Tampa first. Sure. So just to preface this division, um, you know, last year when we did our rankings, it was really the tale of two divisions within this division. And, and that's kind of, that was kind of the theme all year. You know, there were four teams that were really good and four teams that were really bad and I think it's safe to say guys that this year it's going to be a little bit different like pretty much every team in this division uh, will be able to at least compete for a playoff spot and play some meaningful games uh, down the road there's just to add to that there's 32 points between fourth and fifth place in this division last year and then yeah fifth sixth seventh were like a couple points so Exactly. huge gap i think that that gap is going to diminish and it's going to also play an effect on teams like tampa and toronto with their total points because a few are going to be stolen by these other teams 100 percent, and and that's a good point like you know we saw teams in this division on the top end we're talking florida toronto tampa uh and even boston all have really good seasons in terms of total points florida of course winning the president's trophy as the number one team in the regular season with 122 points so yeah we're going to see those point point totals go down uh from interdivisional games as the lower teams in this division start winning those games so that's just what i wanted to say at the very start to get to tampa um i have them actually in the number two spot um but i like these top three teams for me i'm willing to move in any which direction uh, after that, it gets a little trickier for myself, but I actually have Tampa in the number two spot, and I'll I'll 
kind of talk about them, I guess, Harp, because you you made some good points. I agree that I think you know they're they're virtually the same team this year. They did lose Palat, which isn't nothing, uh, but you know they were able to get their two deadline acquisitions last year in Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel re-signed or or at least Paul for that matter you know Hagel right. was yeah. already signed but uh, so they're, they're able to keep those two guys which I think isn't insignificant as well because they were two contributors on this team on the back end they lost McDonough and Ruda which again like I think you know that that is a significant loss for this team but you also have players like Sergachev who's finally going to step up and and be a, a top four defenseman and then a guy like Cal Foot as well he's going to be playing you know top four minutes and you know I still I look at this team and then of course Vassi on the back end in, in goal which is you know a cheat code I just look at this team and I think they are virtually the same as last year I don't think any of their subtractions are so significant that it's going to put them out of a playoff spot or anything ridiculous but I just don't know if I can put them to the number one spot because uh Injuries are always a concern for this team, and we just don't know if they're going to be healthy. Yeah, it's it's not so much for me things wrong with this team as it is I think the team that I have ahead of them is just significantly better and and more well shaped this year. Um, the you know the subtractions to this team aren't going to keep them out of the playoffs by any means, but I think that you can expect maybe a first round exit from these guys this year, in my opinion, because the the damage is to the playoffs um obviously they're still great they're so deep down the middle still once again even with like Sorelli's out for now like still a great center core there and then you add Sorelli back in you got your 2c and you're set um i don't think i can say anything negative about the forward group here i think that maybe the defense has taken a step back but that's yet to be seen because there's a lot of youth on the back ends uh, somehow on a very competitive uh playoff team there's a lot of youth on the back end so i'm excited to see what tampa can do but I have them in second because I think that Toronto's better, not because I think Tampa's gotten worse. Same. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's let's get into the Maple Leafs then, and uh, I have them in the number two spot. Um, but I mean, Chad, like you said, like with these three that I have, and I mean, I, I don't know who you guys have in in. Uh, there to round out your top three but um very interchangeable and toronto is a very good regular season team obviously a different goalie tandem with matt murray and Ilya samsonov we'll see how that works out Uh, murray has looked good and is going to be the starter uh from the get-go on wednesday night in montreal at the bell center um, and then some minor changes. The back end stays pretty much the same up front, though. Obey Kubel, Yarncroke, uh, Adam Gaudet, an extra forward, and uh, and the list goes on. And Dennis Mulgan back as well, who, Chad, I know you're just chomping at the bit to talk about when we're uh, mentioning the Leafs here. But, uh, yeah, I have Toronto in the second spot, but, uh, but could see them finishing at the top of this division and uh man i i don't see austin matthews slowing down at all in uh, in the race for the rocket richard he could go out and grab that again this season so um yeah that's that's my uh those are my thoughts on the leafs and let's get into toronto you want me to go case or i don't know is it better to round it off with the toronto nut or with the person who has a more level head in terms of toronto okay rude uh i put the leaves at i think number two last year when i think they were you know that's where they finished but you guys didn't even like that but i think i'm pretty reasonable about the team so i'll, I'll start and i'll be quick i promise i think this might be the best way to limit the amount i talk on the leaves if i start so uh, I just think overall, I think they got better at every position, um, like forward, defense, and goalie. In terms of forwards, you know, they've clearly got the same core. You know, they've, you've got your your Matthews, your Marner, Tavares, Nylander, Bunting, etc. Uh, but now you're adding in the top six, one of, if not both of, uh, Nick Robertson and Dennis Malgan. We'll see what they can do. They're kind of question marks there, but they're offensively minded guys. Um, and then the bottom six, I just absolutely love how it has an identity now, especially the fourth line. The fourth line as it's set up right now is Obey Kubel, David Camp, and Zach Aston Reese. And I think, you know, the fourth line for the Leafs for the longest time just didn't have an identity. It was 
older guys who were still hanging around in the league. It was young guys who were trying to, you know, you know, get a jump and, and do something at the NHL level and only played a handful of games. But now that fourth line is going to be one tough to play against, two defensively responsible and and eat up a lot of minutes against top lines of other teams. So I really love how their bottom six shakes out now. And then on defense, I think they got better just because, you know, you have guys like Lilligren and Sandine who are a year older. And all you lost on the back end was Ilya Labushkin, who, you know, it was nice to have as a deadline ad, but he's not making or breaking your team there on the back end. Um, he was pretty versatile. I'll give him that. And I think he's going to do well in Buffalo. And then in net, like, you know, it's a big gamble between the pipes. But then again, so was last year. The Leafs had the eighth worst goaltending in the NHL last year in terms of goals saved above expected. You know, there were only seven teams who had worse goaltending in the NHL, and the Leafs still had 115 points. This year, if I'm making a bet, and I mean, I already did in our our uh, predictions episode, hot takes episode, Harp, where I said that Matt Murray will set a career high in wins and have a save percentage above 912. If I'm making a bet, I'm going to say at least one of those guys is going to be better than the combination of Jack Campbell, Peter Morazic, and Eric Shelgren were over the course of points at last season. So I don't think goaltending, again, is going to win or lose or is going to make or break their season in the regular season. When it comes to the playoffs, that's a different story, but that's not what we're talking about. So to sum up, I just think in general they got better probably at every position, and I think they're in a really good spot here to compete not only for the division title here, but also the President's Trophy. I really think they're that good this year. Go ahead, Case. Right? Yeah. So the way I see it is this season is the season that we go into with the least amount of question marks for the Toronto Maple Leafs, in my opinion, over the last, I don't know, maybe decade. Um, sorry, I'm just pulling something up. on. Yeah, got it. Okay. For example, they have players playing in position now. They're not shoehorning Ilya Mikheyev in there. They we weren't we're not debating on where Michael Bunting should play because we know where he should play now. Same goes for Kerfoot. Same goes on the back end. It's, there's no debate anymore on this team, and I think that that's going to be such a great mindset to go into the season. Uh, when I look at them, I see a solid actual fourth line, not like. Uh, like you said, a couple old timers uh, that we're, we're really holding on to. The third line there, like we've seen now, like the debate is settled on Kerfoot, where he should play and what type of player he is. They put him on defense. And from what I heard, I didn't see the game. He was effective on defense because he can play that two-way role. Um, obviously, he's still the punching bag of this team when it comes to the media, although there might be a new boy in town for that. But we saw Callie Yarncroft, who I thought was a sniper, turn out to be a real good penalty killer and a, a real good two-way guy. So the bottom six is settled. The top six is you know, five of them, we know what we got. And then a couple tryouts here that could be really good. Den Denny Malgan, he better score at a 0.87 pace or greater or else the media is going to shit on him because he's not Mason Marshman. And I am already getting nauseous thinking about it. So for that reason, I kind of wish he didn't come and play in North America because <laughs> I'm going to have to hear about it so much. But I do hope he's successful. I think we maybe have a Pui suitor in our hands here and uh, he could be good. If not, Robinson... I think we've seen flashes of brilliance from him, so he could be in there. To me, the only big question mark with this team is goaltending, and it's a question mark. But like you said, Chad, the Leafs were good with below average goaltending last year, so I'm really not concerned about goaltending. Either it's 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 boom or average here. There's no bust. It's not really going to be detrimental to them, I think. So I think that the Leafs, they've really rounded out the team with identity players and players playing in the identity that suits them. And for that reason, I have them above Tampa this year. I want to say two things in response to that case. Number one, do you want to hear the other seven teams who had worse goaltending than the Leafs last season? Well, I know New Jersey was one of them. Chicago, New Jersey, Seattle, Montreal, Arizona, Buffalo, and Detroit. So if Toronto's Lots of playoff eighth, teams there. Yeah, if Toronto's an eighth, one of these things is not like the other. And I think it's, you know, Jack Campbell and Peter Morazic. Mostly Peter Morazic and Eric Shelburne. But anyway. Um, and I forget the second thing I was going to say, so go ahead, Art. 
Yeah, well, I mean, with, with Campbell, it was a tale of two seasons, right? He was lights out his first 25 games or so, and then after the All-Star break, just fell off a cliff and then got it back together late in the year and uh, and into the playoffs as well. And no support behind him. That was the problem. Now you've got a 1A, 1B situation, and uh, I am all for uh, Matt Murray um, being comeback player of the year and, and just getting back to what we saw out of him when, we, uh, when he won back-to-back Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh. And by the way, love the Zach Aston Reese signing as well. One year, 840K, um, good four-checker, and provides an identity on that fourth line. I, I really like that as well. Obey Kubel has, has got some sandpaper, and David Camp has uh, has really um, proven to be a, a, a serviceable uh, forward and a good two-way centerman for this team. So, uh, yeah, no, they've got some roles filled, and um, after hearing all of that, I'm willing to move them up to, to number one spot in this division and put Tampa down to two. So let's get to that three spot. And this is where it got tough this early. And um, but I, I think that uh, I think I have to go with the Florida Panthers in in this third spot. And I know that uh, th- there are a lot of question marks with Florida, even though they had a, a brilliant season last year, absolutely filled the net, uh, 122 points, like you said earlier, Chad, to win the President's Trophy. A disappointing postseason for them. They were scared by the Capitals, but got by them. Their first uh, first round series win since '96, but then were embarrassed by their big brothers in Tampa or in Florida. Excuse me, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So they make the biggest trade of the summer. Matthew Kachuk comes in, Uyghur and Huberdeau out. Uh, ben Sherratt didn't really work out there. They've added some uh, some forwards looking for an opportunity. Colin White, uh, just to just to name one. Um, now I, I I do have a little bit of concern with this back end, but um, Aaron Ekblad has proven that when he's healthy, he can be a top five defenseman in the NHL. And so I think that if he can stay healthy, if guys like Forsling and Montour can play top four minutes consistently for this team, and if they can get good goaltending again by not just Officer Bob, but Spencer Knight as well, who surprisingly got that three-year extension at a 4.5 AAV, I think the Panthers will be in good shape, and uh, Matthew Kachuk is a hell of a player, even though I think we all agree that Calgary won that trade. So uh, I think Florida is going to be all right. They won't be world beaters like last season, but I've got them in the third spot in this division. Yeah, I... I hemmed and hawed where I should put this team. Honestly, three to seven here. Shuffle the deck, and I'd be fine with what comes out. Um, I thought hard about putting Florida in four or maybe five because I think that they've taken a large step back here. Um, you know, they have a lot of players go out. A lot of trade line acquisition, trade deadline acquisitions gone. Uh, their coach is now the Devils assistant coach. Thank you very much. Um, I don't know. I think this te- this team's taken a step back, and it's really visible on the back end for sure. I used to fear playing this team, but I think that there's going to be a lot of holes to poke in here. And on top of that, um, I don't think they're going to be scoring four goals a game with this this offense anymore. So they really want a lot of games with their offensive power and. and I don't think that that's going to be the case as much. So I do have this team taking a step back, but not too far because I did land at three with them. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you guys. I also have them in the three spot, uh, expecting them to take a bit of a step back just because of you know some of the things you guys mentioned, some notable uh, subtractions to this team, not very many additions. Um, you know, we talk about the fact that they lost. Claude Giroux and the fact that they lost Ben Chirot, those were deadline acquisitions that they weren't able to get signed. But think about the fact that they also lost everything that was included in those trades to get them in the first place. And Owen Tippett is a guy who won't be there to provide depth scoring if they need it. So, you know, not only are they missing Giroux, but they don't have Tippett and they have nothing to show for it either. So, 
uh, case, I agree with you that their back end is not very scary anymore. Uh, Harp, I thought it was interesting that you pointed out Spencer Knight's contract because now the Panthers are paying almost $15 million for their two goalies. And, you know, they're both still at this point in their careers a bit of a question mark for different reasons. You know, Knight because he's young and Bob because uh, of inconsistency over time. So, I don't love that. 15 million bucks for those two guys. And then, you know, in terms of them scoring this year, in terms of their offense, like, I think they're still going to be good. Adding Matthew Kachuk, who is, you know, over a point per game player, is, isn't nothing. But losing Huberto is significant. And, you know, you hope that Kachuk can come in and, and do the same kind of magic. But it's just not going to be the same. And think about all the games that they won last year uh, when they were trailing. You know, when they were trailing by a goal, I think they won or trailing by a goal going into the third. I think they won like 10 or 12 games or something. And, you know, you just might not be able to do that without a game breaker like Huberdeau. You know, even though you can argue that Kachuk is a game breaker, I think he is for different reasons and in different ways. So maybe the scoring will will take a step back there. And that's kind of what I'm expecting. They're going to be a good team, but repeating 122 points uh, would be absurd. So they're going to definitely take a step back. And the three spot seems like the perfect spot for them. Yeah, I think uh, I think a big thing with with Bill Zito's club as well. By the way, they have a new head coach in Paul Maurice. So we should we should mention Weird. that as well. Weird. Yeah, too. yeah. I did not see that coming. I thought he was finished after leaving uh, Winnipeg, but yeah, Maurice in, in Florida. Um, clearly, they wanted some experience, and clearly, they wanted to be a tougher team to play against. I think they felt like they got pushed around by Tampa Bay. Um, they're uh, they're big brothers in the Sunshine State. And uh, obviously, uh, they're going to be a tougher team to play against with a guy like Matthew Kachuk. So, um, yeah, Panthers definitely will take a slight step back, but not too far down the line. And uh, they're in that three spot. So, fellas, we move on to number four. And the biggest question about this division is, can the core four at the top be broken up? Can another team get in there and knock out a Toronto, a Tampa, a Florida, or a Boston? Well, we've got Tampa, Toronto, and Florida off the board already, so that leaves Boston or someone else. And I have a team breaking up that core four at the top, and surprise, surprise, it's the Ottawa Senators. A hell of an offseason. If you had to give an award for best offseason, it would have to go to this hockey team, Dabrinkit, Giroux, Tyler Mott, Cam Talbot, Jake Sanderson comes in to uh, make his debut with this team, locking up Tim Stutzla and Josh Norris. It's been a huge summer. It's going to be a rough start without Cam Talbot. It'll be a real test for Anton Forsberg, who's in the first year of that three-year deal at 275 per. Magnus Helberg who we don't really know a lot about. They claimed him off waivers from Seattle is going to be the backup uh, for the first um, few weeks or so that that Talbot is out. But uh, just looking at this team in the top six, and we expect that they are going to add a defenseman at some point, whether that's Jacob Chikrin or uh, someone else, there's definitely a need. Man, the Ottawa Senators look a lot better, and I think that if there's one team to break up the core four at the top of this division, it's them. And so I have them at number four. What do we think about the Senators' case? I thought about putting the Sens here, I thought about putting Detroit here, and I thought about putting Boston here, and I had to contemplate on which one I was going to land with. I'll tell you that I didn't land with the Senators, although I could be convinced. Like It, it could take a, a pretty easy argument, honestly, to convince me at this point. I like this team a lot. This top six is now filthy. After having kind of a one-line team, in my opinion, last year, they have a great top six. And then they're kind of rounding out the bottom six as well with like Matthew Joseph. That's a great pickup that's, that's really worked out for them so far. They have two guys on their fourth line that, when they were young, had their pain receptors surgically removed so that they don't feel anything in Parker Kelly and and um, Austin Watson. At least that's the story I heard. I don't know if that's true or not. I think I saw Austin Watson block more shots than every defenseman in the league last year, which blows my mind. Um, so I, I really love the forward core that they have going on here. And then there's a lot of young guys trying to crack this roster as well. 
it's the defense for me that didn't have them land in the fourth spot because there's a lot of questions to be had there. I think Jake Sanderson, he's ready to make a step. I would be happy to see him on this team. Um, but other than that, I really only feel comfortable with one guy on this team, and that's Thomas Shabbat. And he's been playing 27 minutes the last few years for that exact reason. I don't think they've really done very much in terms of, uh, of you know, trying to change this problem on on defense that's really all i have for the senators it was, it was the defense that i got hung up on and and that couldn't get them to four for me so where do you have ottawa landing then the five spot or they six? actually fell to six okay really interesting okay so harp if you had ottawa at four in case you have them at six uh, this is perfect because I had them in the five spot, so I can be the the kind of uh, you know what's it called? We, we, I can we can agree on number five. So um, Ottawa, like legit top six, like you guys said, uh, you know they had a really good off season. I do like their third line as well of of you know how they're skating right now. Tyler Mott, Shane Pinto, and Matthew Joseph. I think they're going to be tough to play against and uh, pretty good too, and and pretty responsible. So. Case, the problem for me was the same as you. It was the back end. I think there's too many question marks. Jake Sanderson, for me, you know, a bit of a boomer bust guy. And, and same with Brandstrom, a bit of a boomer bust guy uh, who signed a one-year deal kind of betting on himself. So I don't really know what their back end is going to look like aside from, you know, guys like Shabbat and Artem Zub, who was another, you know, mainstay last year, and he was, he was pretty good all season. Uh, if they did add Jacob Chikrin, or a defenseman of similar caliber, I think that would be enough to push them into the number four spot for me. But just looking at that back end and looking at you know their goaltending situation with just Anton Forsberg until mid-November, roughly, that's when Cam Talbot comes back, I just don't like their chances. Now, to be fair, for the number four and five spot, I really did consider swapping the two teams that I had there. I ended up with Ottawa in the fifth spot just because I think it's going to be a race at the start of the season uh, for for these two teams to, you know, to rack up some points and to bank some points. And I just think that, you know, the team that I had in the fourth spot, even though they're a bit banged up, and you're probably answering the question who I have there uh, in that spot, even though they're a bit banged up, I think they're still in a better position than the Sens are without their starting goaltender to start the season. So that's that's why Ottawa fell to the fifth spot for me. And I think, you know, they're still a bubble playoff team, but and they're going to be good for sure. But I just don't think they're quite there yet. They're not quite rounded out. But in the next couple of years, this division is going to be scary with teams like Ottawa, Detroit, and even Buffalo getting better and better. The the last thing I'll say in, in favor of Ottawa being in that fourth spot instead of the Boston Bruins, of course, like, like you're alluding to, Chad, is that Ottawa has Thomas Shabbat. For the first 20 games of the season, it's likely that Boston won't have Charlie McAvoy. They won't. And that is a huge thing, I think. Although, to be fair, Boston will have the better goalie tandem to start the season. And Jeremy Swayman and uh, Lena Solmark. But, man, losing McAvoy and Grizzlick to start the season, that is massive. And, you know... We've heard Elliot Friedman and lots of other hockey guys say this, that um, if if you're out of it by American Thanksgiving in November, it's really tough to get back in it. And so I just think that the start of the season is so crucial for the Boston Bruins, and uh, I think it's going to be a, a little bit rough, especially without that Norris Trophy caliber defenseman on the back end to start the year when Ottawa has their top guy to start the season, even though they don't have their starting goaltender. That's my last uh, thing I'll, I'll, I'll say about Ottawa and uh, sort of my justification for putting them ahead of Boston. Well, and you work for the team, so you have to say that now. <laughs> <laughs> I, just I knew see... that was going to come out at some point. Yeah. I just see a, a, a team with one top four defenseman playing in their top four, and then I see Boston, who has a couple guys who I would consider top four defensemen, and they can also turn you know a turd into gold there when it turns when it comes to defense. So I think that they'll figure it out on the back end. It's other areas that scares me in Boston, and uh, 
we can get into Boston if you want, because that's the yeah, team let's I do it. had at number five. Oh, okay. oh! So we know who you have at four then, but let's let's talk about Boston. Wow! All right. Yeah. Yeah, I have the Montreal Canadiens at number four. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? Uh. No, I uh, I do. Ha- I have Boston at number five. I I'm telling you, I really debated this number four spot. Like all three of the teams could have went number four for me, and I think Boston is going to struggle at the beginning of the season. But you know that that later half, I think they're gonna they're gonna make up a lot of points. I don't know what that means for a playoff spot for them because it is going to be tough to get in in the East, especially when you drop so many points in October and November, like Harp is saying. But I think that I still like this team with what they have. They've they've got the top six is still good without Brad Marchand. I I, I don't think there's any debating that. I'm excited to see what a check line can do if they keep those guys together. I obviously was ready for Zaka to leave New Jersey, but at the same time, I like him and I hope that he's successful in in Boston. Um, And then it's just so many role players on this team every single year um, that really just solidifies this team in my mind as a playoff team because they always have the guys that know what to do and how to do it and how to get themselves there. I got to say... I've got a cold right now, and the amount of brain fog that is happening to me this whole episode has been crushing me. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, so I'm just going to shut up here and let you guys talk about Boston. But um, you guys have talked about the woos, which are the injuries, but that's where it ends for these guys. You know, it's yeah, this team's banged up to start the season, but after that, I don't have a problem with them. I don't have a problem anywhere up and down the lineup. So I. The point total is going to take a hit early on, but this team's still so good. Yeah. Well, okay, so I look at the Bruins, and I think their forward group actually got better because it was mostly the same, but they added David Krejci. Um, You know, and and this is when everyone's healthy. And adding David Krejci back, even though he played overseas last year, that's a solid pickup for not a lot of money for this team. So they're pumped with that. Plus, I'm sure they're going to have some space to add at the deadline to that forward group or the back end if they need to. So there's that as well. Um, On D, I think it's pretty much the exact same when everyone's healthy. And in net, it is the exact same because both guys are healthy. Um, Marshand, McAvoy, and Grizzlick, all three of those guys are expected to come back at some point in November. So really, you know, best case scenario, you could be missing those three guys for one month of the season. Literally one month. I know that's a lot of time in, in terms of games played, but that's basically all they have to struggle through. They've got to play one month of hockey without those guys, and then they've got all season long to claw back. And I think, you know, we can't count the Bruins out for that reason. And like I said, I think the Sens were the other team, in my opinion, who were going to be able to claw for that spot, that fourth spot. And it's going to come down to just who is better prepared to start the season, Ottawa or Boston, or at least that's how it shook out in my head. And to me, because they're only missing a month of the season and they still have a lot of good players. By the way, Taylor Hall is expected to play in game one of the regular season. So that's that's a good thing for them, too, because that was a bit of uncertainty there. But I, I just think they're in a better position than Ottawa uh, to, to snatch up some points at the beginning of the season, even though it's going to be difficult for both teams to do so. Detroit is an interesting one case, and we can talk about them. But first, we have to decide, like, where we're going to rank these teams because I had Boston at number four, Harp had Ottawa at number four, and Case, you have Detroit at number four. And that is kind of the story of this division, isn't it? Like any three of those teams could could take that spot, but we have to decide who's taking number four. I, I just, I'm, I'm really set on Ottawa being in that fourth spot. I think that missing those three guys that we mentioned in Boston is going to really hurt them to, to start the season, and it's going to be hard to kind of weather the storm early on. So um, I'm, I'm picking Ottawa, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm open to having my mind changed. My, well, my, one, my one thing that honestly I'm willing to knock Boston down with is something that no one's talked about yet is the – departure of Bruce Cassidy that 
honestly, I think it's going to be another hindrance on the early part of the season. Just a, a new coach, new system. Well, probably not a new system because why? If it's not broke, don't fix it. But I think that that's another thing to have them start slow out of the gate. So I don't know. Where do we land? Well, Harper, where did you have? Boston finishing fifth. I had Boston right below the Ottawa Senators in fifth. In case you had Ottawa in the sixth spot, but I mean, I, like, dude, I'm I so willing. I'm so willing to move Ottawa up. Like it doesn't. Okay, like this sounds bad coming from me because this was my ranking. But I think to make everybody happy, the most reasonable ranking of these teams in order is Boston, then Ottawa, then Detroit. I'm less happy than the, I'm. I'm. I would be more happy with Ottawa than Boston than Detroit. Like, just destroy my rankings because I was so. All three of them don't care where they land. Okay, I mean, all right, let's do that then. Let's go Ottawa five. That means I'm moving up a spot. Harp convinced us. Uh, that, or, or sorry, Ottawa four. Uh, they're moving up a spot. Harper convinced us that they're going to have a good year. That means they move up two in your ranking case. Boston, number five. That means they move down in mine. And Detroit at number six. Everybody okay with that? Okay, I'm just going to clip this part where I say that I expect Detroit to be really good. And, yeah. uh, you know, remember <laughs> they, this moment. They are going to be a lot better. And we'll get to them in, in a second. The last thing I just wanted to say about the Bruins kind of as my concern is um, this, this is a great opportunity for some young talent. In, uh, in Boston's organization, something they don't have a lot of to be a part of this lineup early and really relish an opportunity. A guy like Studnika, Mark uh, McLaughlin, who did get sent down to Providence, but we expect him to be back up during the season, could be early on in the season um, during that first month or so with the injuries. Um, guys like Steen and 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 so on and so forth, but we just don't know what we're gonna get out of them. Like we kind of know what we're gonna get out of a guy like Shane Pinto. Like even though he was hurt for most of last year, he's looked really good so far. And we just we know what we're gonna get with Ottawa's young talent. We don't really know what's there for Boston. That was All my right. last kind of concern. Fi- with them. Final offer: Boston six. and rejected i will say though you know we say this for every episode we could see five playoff teams from the atlantic not that it's likely but we could you know yes absolutely two of those three teams that we just talked about really push so so detroit red wings we talked about the senators having a really big off season looking to take a step to break up that core four uh, at the top of this division. Well, the Detroit Red Wings also had a pretty darn good offseason. They spent some money bringing in uh, Vili Huso to shore up the goaltending. Huso and Nedeljkovic, that could be an excellent tandem moving forward for this team. David Perron, Dominic Kubalik, um, Ben Sherratt, Andrew Kopp. So they, they bring the Michigan native uh, to Detroit. Um the Red Wings are looking to take a step, and uh, it's been a good summer for Steve Eiserman and, and the Red Wings as well. So um, I've got the Red Wings in sixth, but, man, they're going to be a lot better. It's going to be tight, uh, a tight race for that fourth spot. They're going to be playing meaningful games in March, I think, and uh, I really like the Red Wings, but I've got them in sixth. And, Case, I know you've been uh, excited to talk about the Red Wings, so let's have it. Yeah, I mean, they were playing GM mode in this offseason. Just went out and said, okay, sort overall top free agents. You, you, you. Okay, my team is now a playoff team. Let's move on. We've got the young guys, and now we've signed the veteran free agents. There's going to be scoring up and down this lineup now. And more so because, you know, you've solidified Lucas Raymond as a, he's going to be a 40-plus goal scorer that's locked in stone. You have Larkin and Bertuzzi. We know what we can get out of them. You now have healthy Jacob Verana for this whole season. That guy's a 30-plus goal scorer at at will. Dominic Kubalik has scored 30 goals. David Perron is up there. There's goal scoring up and down this lineup. And that includes guys like Pui Suter and Michael Rasmussen when you play him out front on the power play. And I don't know, the, the offense is what was really driving this team for me. I think the question marks with this team is more on the back end. But when you look at what they have here, 
with all the goals being scored up front, I don't think that they really are that concerned about having puck moving defensemen. They have Moritz that, you know, what we've seen what he can do now. Philip Ronick can, can be a two-way guy in his own right. But with all the goals coming from up front, I think what they need here is guys who are hard to play against. And I think they filled in this back end with guys that fit under that category. So I'm not really worried about their lack of puck moving on the back end or, or like, you know, superstar talent or top four talent other than Moritz. So I'm really not worried about the defense as much as maybe I should be. And then, you know, this goaltending, we we've seen Vili Husso be one of the best and one of the worst. So there's a big swing that can happen there. I hope he finds somewhere in the middle or somewhere a little closer to the success he had um, more recently and Nadalkovich as well. You know, we've seen good and bad from him. So there's a question to be had in the, in the goaltending, but I think this team just needs slightly above league average and they'll be fine. So, you know, question marks on the back end, but I think if they just play hard to play against this team, can be a playoff team. Yeah, I think they're definitely in the conversation, and I love their forward group, really. Like, it, they have so many guys who can put the puck in the net, and that's what you need. Like, I think David Perron was one of the most underrated signings of the offseason. You know, like, he was really good last year, and, and you know, like you mentioned, Case, having a healthy Jacob Vrana for an entire yeah. year, that's another guy that's going to add to that offense. Like, their top six, really, is pretty legit. They've got a lot of guys who can be about a point per game. And, like, this team is going to score a lot. I'm a bit more concerned with the back end than I think you are, Case. I think after that first pairing, um, or at least how it's slotted now as Sherratt and Cider, I think it just drops off too much for me. And, yes, you've got a lot of guys who can score, but I think we're we should be worried about how they're going to get the puck when those two aren't on the ice. I think they, you know, they've got guys who, who, yeah, sure. They can play defense if they're killing penalties or whatever. They can be hard to play against in front of the net. But at the end of the day, you need mobile guys who can make a good first pass. And I think, you know, we just haven't really seen that from anyone outside of the top pairing at, at an elite level or at a very good level. So I'm worried about the D but that being said, like I think, you know, like we talked about, spots four to six for me were up for grabs. I just think the other two teams are better right now than Detroit, but I wouldn't be surprised if they, they snuck into a playoff spot. I think the last thing I want to say in defense of the defense is that the first pass... I'm less concerned about it with this team because this is such a puck retrieval team when I look at them. Like, even the guys that are so efficient at putting the puck in the net on this team are puck retrieval guys Bertuzzi, Larkin, uh, Perron, Cop. Like, all of these guys, I, I picture them as a dump and chase team, and, and really, a dump and chase team doesn't need Roman Yossi on the back end. Yeah, well, they got Moritz, and you're right. They got to get it over the line and, and then let the boys eat in the offensive zone. That makes sense. Like, I buy it, and that's, you know, I could see that happening too, and that's kind of why I have them in this conversation as a bubble playoff team because I think they're going to be a lot better than people expect them to be this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, uh, they could be a real surprise, and uh, they'll be a lot better for sure, and I could see this team playing meaningful games in March. And um, looking at that back end uh, in the future, we're, we're looking at Kel McCarr and Bowen Byram and um, what they're doing in Colorado. I kind of look at that as maybe a similar situation in Detroit with uh, Cider and Simon Edvinson when he's finally able to take on a full-time role. I don't yeah. think he made the team um, after the no. preseason, though, didn't he? But he'll be up. Like, we're going to see Edvinson this season. There's no question about it. So um, the back end will get better. But, man, the goaltending will be better, and this forward group should be able to score a lot of goals if they can stay healthy and if uh, the guys can produce like we know, they, uh, like we know they're able to. You know who did make the team who is going to be an underrated ad for them up front is Emil Soderblom playing on the yes. fourth line. Six foot eight magic hands. Look out for that guy. Yeah, he is massive. Like, where does Eiserman find these guys? It's amazing. So, yeah, I think yeah. he's. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm thinking about 
in the future when Fabry comes back, like I, I assume that Soderblom's going to get the short end of his very long stick there. But <laughs> <laughs> but we've seen what this guy could do in the in the World Juniors and. Everyone See, was shocked by him, and, and he was the head scratcher of like, yeah, like Harper said, where's Stevie Wyatt? What is, what is he? Who does he hire that finds these guys? And can he come play or scout for New Jersey? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it's amazing. Also, um, three years at uh, at under two million a season for um, uh, for for Philip Sedina. I think um, is is really good. It's a nice bridge deal, and he should be another young forward that uh, should be able to take a step for this team as well. So, yeah, the Red Wings are going to be a lot of fun, and they had a good off season as well, very similar to the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, so, despite we, despite Zadina winning the Calder four years ago or five years ago, was it Chad that you had him winning the Calder? Yeah, a few. Despite him winning that, we haven't seen enough from him. So, I think that now's the time for him to step up. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, uh, talking about Ottawa and Detroit, who got a lot better in the offseason to try and break up that uh, the, the first half, the core four of this division, they kind of left my Buffalo Sabres in the dust, I'll be honest. You know, Buffalo is taking a slower approach. J.J. Uh, Paterka and Jack Quinn are going to come into this lineup full-time. Um, Eric Comrie, who... Hasn't played a ton of games and, uh, uh, meanwhile, did have a good year with Winnipeg as a backup last year, is getting more of an opportunity, and it's all about just growth of young players on this team. It'll be a full season for a guy like Owen Power, um, whose Calder Trophy odds are pretty good. We'll see if Tage Thompson can follow up what was a huge breakout season last year with 38 goals and playing in the middle for this team. They add Ilya Labushkin on the back end to uh, kind of shore up that, um, but just not enough to be with Ottawa and Detroit. Um, and uh, so I've got Buffalo in this seventh spot. But again, I think that they could really surprise a lot of people this season. It's going to be another year of growth. This is a team that um, really likes playing for its head coach. They're getting the culture right. The guys like being around each other. And things are just really positive. And there was hope at the end of last season with this team and they took some big steps it'll be another step but um nowhere close to to being into a playoff spot or competing for one um but they're they're going to take a big step this year um just not enough to put them above that seventh spot the buffalo sabers well harp i think you heard me say earlier that teams three to seven you could shuffle the deck and wherever it lands i would be happy with because honestly i think buffalo could surprise us but yeah, you know, the other teams obviously made those those big signings and big acquisitions that pushed them over the top. Whereas Buffalo is kind of working at just getting older, getting getting older every single year. And, and it's going to work for them here soon. Like Jack Quinn and Paterka into this lineup. That's exciting. I expect Dylan Cousins to have a big season this year. And I picked up Owen Power in the late rounds of our fantasy draft because I think he's going to have a massive year. The back end is what scares me uh, for sure. And then goaltending is a nightmare in my my opinion. Eric Comrie was the devil's sixth goalie two years ago. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that he's an NHL goaltender or starter. So uh, Comrie and Anderson together, we'll see what can happen here. But yeah, like you said, there's a lot of culture being built here. There's a lot of young guys. There's some veterans sprinkled in there. We've named the captain. We've got a coach we like. A lot of good things in Buffalo. For sure. Yeah, For me, the goaltending is maybe less of a question mark because uh, Anderson was okay last year and Comrie was actually really good in a small sample size. So, you know, hopefully they're able to put together a, a decent season between the two of them. My only problem with the goaltending is that I really thought this was the year that Uko Pekalukkanen was going to play for the team, and I thought he was going to be a regular and get some, some more games in, because last year, through nine games, you know, he might have been their best goalie. He had good numbers, and uh, you know, he was pretty good, so I, I guess he must have had a, a poor camp or something 
and and I guess the addition of Eric Comrie kind of pushed him down the depth chart. But I like UPL. Hopefully you see him up this year a little bit. Um, but also hopefully those two between the pipes are able to get it done. I just um, you have UPL and he's kind of getting into the years where it's like we got to start giving him a long look and instead you're going with uh how old is craig anderson now 42 yeah old um 42 year old and a guy who's played 28 games in in a combination of seven seasons it's like if you're if you're not expecting that you're a playoff team i think maybe it is time to start playing upl i, I don't know what the decision is there in my mind yeah. I, I'm sure – I'm glad you guys mentioned UPL um, because you, you have to think about him when, when you think of the goaltenders uh, for this organization. I mean, we've got Devin Levi and Eric Portillo down the road coming, but in the immediate um, sense – Obviously, the the most important thing is for UPL to play games. That's in Rochester, not Buffalo just yet. But I think as we get into the latter part of the season, I think there's a very good chance that this could become a three-headed monster in net. And uh, obviously, Anderson is not getting any younger. Um, His health, certainly in question at his age and his body and everything. And we just don't know with Eric Comrie. Um, yeah. Looking at uh, looking at Lukanen, he had a pretty good camp and a pretty good preseason. Eric Comrie ended the preseason with a seven-one loss against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So uh, we just we never know, but it's going to be a, a good step forward for this team. And the way that we're talking about Detroit. Ottawa, New Jersey, teams like that taking a next step uh, this season. I think as soon as next year, we could put Buffalo into that conversation. Yeah, I think three-headed monster was a weird term there. Like maybe three, <laughs> three-headed kitten at this at this it's stage, three-headed something. Anyway, it has three heads. That's what we're yeah. trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know you're right. Three-headed monster would mean that <laughs> they're it's all a good. good. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like that, no, that's, that's what they point. called the Leafs' center depth when it was Tavares, uh, Matthews, and Caudry. <laughs> right. But, you know, and yeah. that was clearly one of the better in the league. But back to Buffalo, you know, I think also just to to finish up on them, their forward group I think is good. I like the addition of the younger players into the lineup here, like Paterka and Quinn. Uh, another big year for Cousins, etc. Uh, I do like Owen Power on the back end. He looks legit. I think he's going to have a good year. Um, Dalene's another year older, and you guys know how much I like him and how good I think he is. Uh, but in terms of this forward group specifically, I think there's a lot of regression to be had here. Like Tage Thompson, for example, is a main candidate for me for regression. You know, we had, what, 68 points in 78 games last year. He shot 15%, which was double his career average. Um, you know, previous to this, his career high was 14 points in 38 games. So I think there's going to definitely be some regression there um, among other players. So as much as I do like Buffalo and think they, you know, got better just because they added some of the players that they expect to be part of their core group going forward. Uh, The other teams in this division just got better than they did. So Buffalo is going to be better than last year, but they're not going to be in the playoff spot. And I think that's fair to say. Yep. No, for sure. And uh, as as a Buffalo fan, I can accept that. And I'm just looking forward to another year of growth for for this young team. There's excitement and hope for the first time in a long time. Two more things about the Sabres before we get to our uh, our last place team in this division, the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I want you guys to watch Matthias Samuelson this season for Buffalo. Very good, underrated left shot defenseman. He's big. I think he's six foot four and uh, very underrated. And he'll be Rasmus Dalene's D partner this season. Dalene, a left shot as well, but he's going to play on the right side and Samuelson on the left. So I want you guys to watch Samuelson. The other thing, what do we get out of Casey Middlestad this off or uh, this season? First round pick. He was drafted eighth overall. What do we get out of middle stat? He's got two years left at 2.5 AAV. Um, can he stay healthy and can he produce like he did, not last year, but the year before, towards the end of the season when Don Granado took over for Ralph Kruger? So uh, I think yeah, that's uh, a question mark for me. 
I think you should trade him to Boston for a very solid third line center. Because that's what New Jersey did with Pavel Zaka. And I think it's maybe the time for Casey Middlestat, who is in the same conversation in my mind. A sixth overall pick and an eighth overall pick that we've seen sparks from. And that's just about it. I mean, Alex Nylander was another one who's kind of the same thing in Buffalo. They just have had so many guys over the years and so many not pan out. But I am more confident in the group that they have now. I'll say that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, for sure. It'll be a good year of growth for the Sabres. And finally, let's talk about the Montreal Canadiens, who we have at the bottom of this division. No surprise. uh, First overall pick, Uri Slavkovsky. He's going to start with the team on opening night on Wednesday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, they could certainly have a shot at the number one pick again in uh, in Connor Bedard uh, this year. No Carey Price. We think that uh, he's likely done playing hockey. Um, we just don't know. But uh, a goalie tandem again of Jake Allen and Samuel Montembeau, not very good. A couple of standouts, though. We mentioned Slavkovsky. Arbor Jackeye on the back end who made the team undrafted. Um, he, he's looked really good, and he's just been a monster. But again... Looking at the other side. Before I had to. What's because that? thank God you said his name before I had to because <laughs> what? I know what a what a wild looking last name. And then finally, just on the disappointing side for for this team, it looks like Jonathan Drouin is going to be a healthy scratch on opening night. And uh, there was one NHL executive who said that it looks like his mind is elsewhere. So clearly, Duran continues to struggle. Uh, their forward group did get a lot better, though. It's really just the defense and goaltending that are just not NHL caliber. In, in my opinion, totally. Um, and But I, I do like this four group. Good opportunity for Kirby Doc. It's a fresh start for Sean Monaghan after a tough year in Calgary last year. Evgeny Dadanov has proven that he can score as well. So I, I don't mind this four group, but it's another rebuilding year for Montreal and another year for them to be in the lottery. So a thought on the Canadians before we wrap up. Well, yeah, it's another rebuilding year, but at the same time, we're going to go out and get that enough. It's like I don't, some some decisions going on here that I, I've always been confused about. But yeah, it's it's going to be a, a young season, and it's going to be a lot of opportunities for, for guys to show their worth. And uh, I'm excited to see what Cole Caulfield could do. He was exciting last year. It'll be interesting to see Slavkovsky. Um, little part of me wishes that, you know, he's only okay because... I wanted him in New Jersey, and uh, he went first overall. So uh, I've got a little personal vendetta there. (laughs) Who is their best defenseman? It's Mike Matheson, but he's hurt right now. It It is. It's Mike Matheson. You just said the words, Mike Matheson is their best defenseman. He is. That's that's true. He is. And (laughs) this is why I have them at eight (laughs) in this division. Case, can you name their top six right now without Mike Matheson? Because he's day-to-day right now. Do you know the guys? Because when I looked at it, I was like, I have not heard of half of these guys. Um, I know Chris Weidman was a seventh defenseman on a couple teams. Uh, he found himself in Montreal. I'll say that. He's been good yes, there. Yes, he did. Yeah. Um, David Savard is there. Gooley. Uh, Jekai. I like Harris. Hayden Gooley a lot. He's. I was a big fan of his in the World Juniors. Let's hope yep. he doesn't get thrown to the Sharks in Montreal Yeah, he's also here. a kid, and he's slotted in to play on the first line, though. First deep. Yeah, line. it's... And- so. And Jordan Harris is a good prospect for them. He was a second-round pick a couple of years ago, I believe. And so um, they, they've got a lot of good young D. And yes, we're also going to see Justin Barron this year again for for the Habs. So they've got a lot of good young D. But, man, like without Joel Edmondson and Mike Matheson, oh, boy. This back Matheson's end back is soon, though. Weak. But right. still. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I not a lot to like back there and in the net in my opinion so we'll see for sure yeah up front uh just my my only thought on the Habs here up front I think they're you know okay it's weird that Drouin is going to be a scratch harp I see that you read the the same 
Puck Empire post that I did while we were recording this podcast. Um, <laughs> you know, Doc, Slavkovsky, Monahan, those are all new additions to this team. I hope Slavkovsky pans out, but, uh, you know, based on his preseason, both him and Wright did not look good in preseason. So we'll see if either of those guys is, is even able to stay there all year long. Personally, I think it'd be better if uh, Slav were to develop in the AHL and, and I rip agree. it up. But, you know, first overall pick, there's a lot of expectations there, especially in a large market like Montreal. But there's not a lot to like right now, but that's part of the process in Montreal, you know. They're, they're rebuilding, and they're going to get another lottery pick mo- more than likely. And, uh, you know, in the next five years, they're going to accumulate a lot of good players, and they're going to be competitive again. So I don't think that they're going to be the absolute worst team in the NHL this year, though they very well could be. Um, I don't think they are. But again, you know, who knows what kind of season their goalies have or anything. But I think they're going to be in the bottom portion. But uh, they could still steal some wins from some teams. So... There's some yeah. something to look forward to, at least for, for Habs fans this year. They'll be happy to play spoiler and beat the Leafs a handful yeah. of times this year. And, and they will. And they, they sure will. will. And so will the Sabres. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, I, I will say, too, Nick Suzuki looks fantastic. I think it's going to be a big year for him. Not for the team, but for guys like him and Caulfield, personally, uh, those guys are going to have a lot of fun playing alongside together, that's for sure. And I, I really like San Louis. I, I think he's he's done a great job. So Yeah. All right. There we go, boys. All four divisions, and uh, we are officially ready for the 22-23 NHL regular season. Again, it's opening week after uh, the regular season technically started last weekend with Nashville and San Jose playing overseas. And uh, we've got a couple of games tonight to uh, start it off after we're done recording this episode. By the way, NHL 23 comes out this Friday, and uh, we will have our Boys in the Booth custom roster again uh, this year year so thanks so much for listening to our division rankings over these last few weeks enjoy the opening week of the season and we'll talk to you again next monday take care this has been another episode of boys in the booth with harper cody chad melbourne and casey abrams new episodes every monday on spotify and apple podcasts Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.